Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. How do I know when a thought originates in my own sinful heart or is coming at me from another source? How do I know the difference? Well, one of the ways is, do you take pleasure in the thought? Do you delight in the thought? And if you can say, no, I hate this thought, then you could be pretty confident that this thought isn't yours. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, in a message titled, Satan's War on the Mind. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Another of the devil's darts is to try and put doubt into our mind. Try to put doubt into our mind. Satan will try to get you to doubt everything from God's existence to your own salvation to your call to serve him. And he is especially concerned with casting doubt upon the word of God. Now, an important thing to remember, though, is that there is a difference between the temptation to doubt and the sin of unbelief. You see, just because there's a doubtful thought in your head doesn't mean necessarily that you've committed a sin. I think a lot of people don't realize that. I've had many people that have said to me, oh gosh, I just, I don't even know if, I don't know if I'm even gonna make it to heaven. I'm so full of doubt. Well, really, are you really full of doubt or are you just being bombarded with the temptation to doubt? We have to make the distinction because it's possible to be plagued by doubt and yet innocent of the sin of unbelief. You know, we can't stop certain things from happening. We, we were talking about spiritual warfare, right? We're in a war. What happens in a war? The enemy is, is going to attack you. The enemy is going to shoot at you. You can't stop him from doing that. And sometimes you can't, there's nothing you can do to stop that, that onslaught from the devil that, that's coming and bombarding us with a temptation to doubt. We, we can't stop that from happening, but we have to recognize that that's not necessarily sin. It might very well not be sin at all. The great Victorian preacher Charles Spurgeon was very familiar with this particular temptation. He said this, my peculiar temptation has been constant unbelief. I know that God's promise is true, yet does this temptation incessantly assail me. Doubt him, distrust him. He will yet forsake you. Spurgeon is saying he was assailed by these kinds of thoughts all the time. Spurgeon, of course, resisted these temptations, but they were a very real struggle for him. And we can have these kinds of things happening to us. I experienced this kind of temptation early in the ministry. I remember being a young pastor and I had read from certain books, I'd read certain scholars and theologians who suggested uh, that the Bible in certain places couldn't be trusted, that the Bible was 
historically inaccurate or it was perhaps a geographically inaccurate or scientifically inaccurate or, or something like that. And I remember back in those days, uh, I, I remember that I, I was suddenly being assailed with, with these kinds of, of thoughts. And that thought process went something like this. These books that you're reading, these men that you're reading, they're theologians who have studied the Bible for years. They know the Hebrew, they know the Greek, and you know nothing. How, how could you think that you're right and they're wrong? And I remember just being plagued for a season by those kinds of thoughts. Does that sound familiar? Satan is always trying to undermine the word of God. You know, here's the thing about the devil. He really hasn't changed his strategy much throughout history because it works. He doesn't really need to change it much. He's doing the same things today that he was doing back in the very beginning. You remember he tried to undermine the veracity of God's word in the garden with Eve, and he succeeded in that particular occasion. He came to Eve, and what did he say? He said, has God really said? And he, and he sought to plant that doubt, and unfortunately, in her case, she, she embraced that doubt. But he even tried to do this with Jesus in the wilderness. You remember, he comes to Jesus, and he says, now... Jesus has been fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and he's going to come and tempt him, you know, take these stones and turn them into bread. But what does he say? He says, if you're really the son of God, take these stones and turn them to bread. I mean, the audacity of the devil. He's, he's trying to get Jesus to doubt who he is. So if he has the audacity to do that to the very son of God, then of course, he is going to do similar kinds of things with us. He's going to try to get us to doubt God's word, and he will do so by, at times, assailing us with a temptation to doubt. What do we do when this happens? Well, we can pray. We should pray. We can cry out, Lord, increase my faith. If, if, we're, if we're feeling like we're, we're coming to that place of just giving in to that pressure. We can cry to the Lord, Lord, increase our faith. But not only do we pray, but we need to give ear to God's word because we're told that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You see, your faith is bolstered. It's built up. It's made stronger through the word of God. And so we need to be in the word of God. This is, as we're going to see as we go further into this series, this is our primary means of victory over the devil is God's word. And then thirdly, we stand. We read in our passage today that above all, we are to take the shield of faith with which we will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the wicked one. So there's that, that place we pray, we take heed to God's word, but there's that place too where we just stand our ground. We just stand on, on what we know, what, what we've experienced. You know, Pastor Chuck used to say, never give up what you know for what you don't know. And what do you know? Well, you know, I know God saved me. I know I'm not the person I used to be. 
I know that God's word is true, but even in those times when we're being assailed, we, we just have to stand firm on that. Now, let me say one final thing before we move on from this point. Those things that I talked about, having experienced as a young pastor, those, those doubts that would assail my mind, you know, the enemy, it's interesting how God allows these things to happen sometimes, and he actually turns the enemy's efforts around and, and uses the very thing that the devil was trying to do to destroy our faith to increase our faith. Back in those days when I was bombarded by these kinds of things, you know what it caused me to do? It caused me to dig deeper. It caused me to seek out more diligently the truth. And I can stand here today and, and I can say, you know, after 30 plus years, I listen to this stuff today because it hasn't stopped. It still goes on and on. You know, people are still writing books and coming up with all of these theories about why you can't trust God's word. You know, today for me, it's like water off a duck's back. I, I listen to some of these arguments. And I just think, God, oh, how stupid. What a stupid argument, you know. I've, I've heard much more sophisticated arguments from the devil himself. And so, you know, some of these theologians today, I just think, wow, you know, what, what is the matter with these guys? But that's what God does. He, he uses these things actually to do the opposite of what the devil was hoping to do. He's hoping to destroy our faith. God uses these things to build our faith up. And listen, just know this. There is not a single historical, geographical, scientific, whatever. There, there's nothing that anybody could point to today, not one thing that anybody can point to today and say the Bible was wrong about this or the Bible's wrong about that. You know, they've been trying to find something. They've been suggesting this is the case. The devil's been suggesting this is the case from the very beginning of time. But you know, to this very day, no one can stand up and say, oh, the Bible was wrong about this. We just proved it. Not a single thing. Amazing. God's word is true. We can stand on it. Don't let the enemy rip you off, get you to think that you're doubting. When you're not doubting, you're just simply being tempted to doubt. And you know, here's another thing to remember. God, he's perfectly happy to help us through our doubts at times. And even if we do have doubts, the great thing is we can go to God and say, you know, Lord, help me with this. Help, help me understand this. This is, this is a little bit of a problem for me. In other words, God is not saying, don't ask any questions. Just, this is what it is. You just believe it. Don't ask any questions. Don't think about it. No, that, that's not the Christian faith. Oh, the Bible, we're... We can come with, with inquiry. We can come with questions. And when we come sincerely perplexed or puzzled by things, we can know that God's not going to turn us away or not, God's not going to condemn us and say, oh, you doubter. God's going to do what needs to be done to strengthen our faith there. And so moving on to our third and our final point for the day, evil thoughts, evil thoughts. Another manifestation of Satan's war on our minds is evil thoughts. Now, it's certainly possible and often the case that evil thoughts arise from our own sinful hearts. So we, we have to be clear about this. We don't want to think that, or 
I'm not suggesting that every evil thought we have is, is from the devil. Many aren't. Many just originate from within our own hearts because they're evil. The Bible's clear about that. But there are times when that is not the case, and we need to be able to distinguish between the two. So how do I know when a thought originates in my own sinful heart or is uh, coming at me from another source? How do I know the difference? Well, one of the ways is, do you take pleasure in the thought? Do you delight in the thought? And if you can say, no, I hate this thought, I, I, I detest these thoughts, then you could be pretty confident that this thought isn't yours. This thought is the enemy's. He's, he's interjected it. Let me give you, well, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Have you ever been praying and suddenly had your mind assaulted by blasphemous thoughts? Have you ever had an experience like that? And you just think, what, what, what was that? Oh, and, and I've had those. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, Lord, what's the matter with me? I'm so evil, I'm so wicked. Uh, the fact of the matter is, in a case like that, no, you're, you're probably the innocent victim of a flaming arrow of Satan. See, he does things like that. Or maybe you've been worshiping. And perhaps in your times of worship, maybe you've had pornographic images flash across your mind. I mean, that's always fun at a <laughs> worship service, right? It happens. It happens. There you are. You're just worshiping the Lord. And all of a sudden, you're like, wow. Oh, God, forgive me. I better get out of here. The building's going to collapse. I'm such a sinner. But more than likely, when they come in that kind of way, this is the devil's activity. Have you ever gone through a period of time when your mind was obsessed by deplorable thoughts, thoughts that sickened and oppressed you, thoughts that you longed to be delivered from. If so, know this, you're not alone. Many of God's faithful servants have experienced similar things. These are the assaults of the devil. One of the most striking examples of this kind of warfare is seen in some of the experiences of John Bunyan. John Bunyan is the author of the book, The Pilgrim's Progress. Maybe you're familiar with that book. Let me, let me quote to you from Bunyan's own words found in another book that he wrote, Grace Abounding. Listen to what he said. This, he's describing his own experience. He says, at a certain point, a very great storm came down upon me. First, all my comfort was taken from me. Then darkness seized upon me, after which whole floods of blasphemies, both against God, Christ, and the scriptures, were poured upon my spirit to my great confusion and astonishment. These blasphemous thoughts were such as stirred up questions in me against the very being of God and of his only beloved Son, and whether the holy scriptures were not rather a fable and cunning story than the holy and pure word of God. He went on and he said, these suggestions with many others, which at this time did make such a seizure upon my spirit and did so overwhelm my heart, both with their number and continuance and fiery force that I felt 
as if there were nothing else but these from morning to night with me, and as though indeed there could be room for nothing else, and also concluded that God had in very wrath to my soul given me up to them to be carried away with them as with a mighty whirlwind. So Bunyan is describing his experience of just this thing that I'm talking about here, his, his mind being filled with these blasphemies. His description was much longer. I shortened it for our purposes today. But he goes into much greater detail, and it, it, it is really astounding the things that he experienced as a, as a Christian. And he lived in a time when there was much uh, persecution. He spent 13 years in prison uh, because of his uh, faith in Christ. But, but this was what was going on in his mind at that time. Uh, here again, Charles Spurgeon also serves as an illustration. Having gone through a prolonged period of blasphemous assaults upon his mind and being near the point of despair, he began questioning even his salvation. After all, if your mind's being bombarded with these, these blasphemous thoughts or perverted thoughts or whatever, there is that point where you have to stop and think, wow, am I even really a Christian? Could, could I even really be saved and think this way? Spurgeon came to that place. He finally confided in an older godly man who asked him one simple question. The question was this, do you hate these thoughts? Young Spurgeon replied, yes, I do. The man said, then they are not yours. Send them on to the devil to whom they belong. Send them on to the devil to whom they belong. They are not your thoughts. And so we have to recognize, we have to realize that there are indeed times when these experiences that we are having are rooted in the devil's activity. They're rooted in his attack against us. How do we overcome this kind of attack? Well, three things. Number one, refuse to own the thought. Just refuse to own it. It's not my thought. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I know I'm depraved. I know I'm perverted, but I'm not that depraved or perverted. <laughs> the devil is more depraved and he's more perverted. You know, some of, the, some of the things that have come into our minds at times, you just say, no, I don't own that. And then certainly we would never act on them. We refuse to act on those thoughts. And then thirdly, turn them into occasions to praise and to pray. Now, I don't, I don't know that we can, again, necessarily stop these things from happening. As someone once said, you, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop it from building a nest on your head. You know, there, there are times when we just, we can't stop it. But what we can do is we can turn it around. So if my mind is assailed with blasphemy, I can take that and say, you know what? I'm going to praise God even more. I'm going to praise him even louder. I'm going to praise him even harder. If our minds are filled with perversion or hatred or whatever toward another person, we can say, Lord, I'm going to take this as an opportunity to pray for that person, to pray blessing, to pray salvation, to pray whatever the case might be. And you see, as we do that, in a sense, we're turning the enemy's weapons back upon himself. And, and there is a point, I think, where 
if he knows every time he assails you with this type of a thing, it's going to lead to you praising God more and praying more, there's a point where he's probably going to move on and go hassle somebody else. So we, we can turn the enemy's weapon back on him. There's a great illustration of this back in the, the story of David. David had these different mighty men and the books of Chronicles talk about the mighty men. And one of the men was named Benaniah. And it says that he wrested the spear from the enemy's hand and he slew the enemy with his own spear. And so we can do that. So these are some of the things that Satan employs in his assault upon our minds. But as I, I mentioned at the beginning, there are more, and we just touched on, on part of them here. And there, there are other kinds of thought patterns as well that are, that are destructive in that people hear these things in their mind and then they, they start buying them, they start believing them, they start acting upon them, and then these things end up destroying their lives. We want to expose those as being the work of the devil. And then there's, there's fear. We call sometimes today uh, these kinds of fears phobias and uh, these exaggerated kinds of fears and depression, discouragement, despair. So we'll come back next time and we'll finish up and look at those other things and see how each, each of them as well, as we've been talking today, each of them are connected back to Satan's war upon our minds. But let me remind you of just two things here. The Bible tells us, it gives us two, two different pictures of Satan. There's one picture Peter gives to us, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That's one picture. But the other picture is that he's subtle. Paul is concerned, to, and he writes to the Corinthians, he says, I'm concerned that just as, as the devil, by his subtlety, deceived Eve, that you would also be deceived. And, and so we have to understand that he comes in both ways. He comes sometimes subtly, stealthily. He's hiding behind, sometimes like we're saying, he's hiding behind these thoughts. He's wanting you to think these are your thoughts. Or he's wanting you to think these are God's thoughts. That's the subtlety. He's not coming out and saying, hey, I'm the devil. I'm trying to get you in a trap so I can destroy you. But there are other times when he's going about, as Peter said, and he's manifesting himself more as a roaring lion. And so Peter tells us, and this is, the application is true in, in either case. He says, be sober and be vigilant. Be sober means to be clear-minded. And to be vigilant means to be watchful. And so that's how we need to approach this whole issue. We, we've got to be thinking clearly about it. And we have got to be watching for these kinds of things. And as we identify, as, as we see them, then we identify them for what, we, for what they are. And then we take the, the biblical instruction like we've looked at today. Standing in faith, standing on the word of God believing the promises of God, calling upon God in prayer. And that's how we gain the victory. 
January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs. Abandonment and abuse are all too common in our culture today, pushing our youth towards drugs, alcohol, and gangs in order to ease their pain and find acceptance. But abandonment and abuse are a global problem. The late Stephen Lungu, one of Africa's greatest modern-day evangelists, experienced abandonment and abuse as a youth himself while growing up in Africa. The book Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs is his testimony of how God changed his embittered heart and ultimately prepared him to become a great evangelist in Africa, reaching tens of thousands with the gospel. If you want to be inspired by the testimony of a life radically changed by Christ, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. To order Out of the Black Shadows by Stephen Lungu with Ann Coombs. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.